Hello and welcome to Raising a Healthy Family. I am your host, Natalie Schwartz. I am super excited about today's episode. I am interviewing CEO, mom, co-founder of Hue and Grace, Sarah Jensen. We talk her fertility struggles, which was a 14-year journey 10 of which they told not one soul. We get into the importance of ingredients and how harmful ingredients can be to our hormones and the struggle that people face when they are on their fertility journey. We go all over the place in this episode. We talk about the celebrity endorsements that came and how they, her and her husband founded their company. And we dive into their amazing products, which I'm so, so obsessed with. And I even scored a discount code for you guys. You can use the code Natalie10 at checkout and get 10% off your order. So let's get right into it and meet Sarah. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. I am so excited to have you here. Um, I would love for people to get to know the woman sort of behind the CEO version of you and tell us a little bit about where you grew up, how you grew up. Were you always sort of interested in ingredients or did that sort of come later? Yeah. So uh, my name is Sarah Jensen. I was raised in Northern California, a town called Fairfield. Um, I am the oldest of six children. My dad's a dentist. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. You got six Um, kids. Six kids, four, oh, yes, five God. girls and one boy. So oh. my, poor, my poor brother. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but I know the answer to your question is no, I never really actually, not until later in life did I start thinking about what I, the ingredients were in my, you know, what I was eating first of all, but really what I was putting on my body um, until I had some very long struggles. But um, it's, it's interesting. It's, um, I was talking to somebody, I'm like, it's not like a midlife crisis, but it definitely woke me up to something that I'm like, oh, this is a very important topic. But I think being raised as one of six, my mom was probably constantly in survival mode. Yes. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh my God. I have, I have two, just like you do, as you know, it's like, I'm in survival mode, you know, it's like, I couldn't even imagine six. Yeah, wow. no. And, and yeah, God she, bless her. Uh, seriously. She's, she's amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So flash forward, you meet your husband, Ben, right? Mm-hmm. You guys get married. Um, at what point in your marriage are you like, okay, let's try and have kids? Yes. My husband, randomly enough, is also the oldest of six. Oh my gosh. And so I know. How funny. <laughs> um, we got married. I was young. I was 23 when I got married. He was 26. Um, both of our moms were stay-at-home moms, and we always wanted to have kids. I we both wanted to have large families, so you know we always said, oh, "Let's have four kids." So we probably waited two years to start trying, but then you know, at the right age of twenty-five, I'm like, "Okay, let's let's do this. Let's have our four kids." And so we started trying to have kids, and kept trying to have kids, and um, fourteen years later, still didn't have kids. So I would love for you to sort of, if you would unpack that for us, like that, that infertility journey, sort of from your perspective, you know, how that was as a couple, because I think, you know, the audience for this show is 99% women, right? Or it's mostly moms. And it's something that so many women struggle with. And I feel like we're seeing it now more than ever, but it's something that not a lot of people talk about. Um, and you know, that journey. So you guys are trying to have kids and then at what point are you like, okay, something isn't, isn't clicking. Yeah. So we probably tried so 25 when I started trying and probably tried for a good year 
before we went to the doctor Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was living a very healthy lifestyle. I um, didn't, you know, I was very athletic and the doctor's like, you're young, you're healthy, don't worry, Um, you know, take ovulation strips. And so we started doing that. I think it was when I was late twenties is when we started going to a fertility doctor and our insurance didn't cover it. So we had to save up money and Mm -hmm. we went through, you know, IUIs and that never worked. And we were, di- we were diagnosed unexplained infertility, okay. which was so they tested both of you then we, yeah, both of us. Our ranges came out normal, uh, which for me, I'm like, gosh, like find something wrong and fix it. And I yeah. hate also when people say what, you know, whose fault is it or what's wrong with you? Cause it is, there's no fault at all in there, mm-hmm. but I was just so frustrated. I'm like, just find something, fix it. And let's mm-hmm. have kids. Yeah. Um, and during that time, like we, both being the oldest of six kids, all of our siblings were having kids and all of our yeah. friends were having kids. And we never shared our journey with anybody. Cause first of all, it was so painful for us to, you know, you know, you try and then you wait for two weeks and then yes. you get the disappointment and then you wait again for two weeks until you ovulate. And so it was just this constant, you know, month after month, year after year, this disappointment. And then it caused a lot of stress, you know, on myself as a woman. I'm like, oh, wait, this is, sure. I, my dream was to be a stay at home mom. Like that's my, my, my grandma was a stay at home mom. My mom's a stay at home mom. That's just the life I envisioned of having these, a big family. Yeah. And then it never worked. And so we started doing fertility doctors and then we went, you know, from IUIs to IVF and, mo- and then we started going, um, later years went on and on and on going to doctors across the country. And we, we really, we spent, we, we both. Um, have master's degrees. We had good incomes, but all of our money was going to saving up for the next fertility round, going yeah. to the, the acupuncturist, going to New York to a doctor, going to Chicago for a doctor, going to LA. We lived in Los Angeles, but finding yeah. really the best doctors there. And it became all consuming. And we were going through acupuncture and trying diets and going to therapy because it had such an impact on the way I viewed myself, the way my husband viewed himself, but also our marriage. Yes. It almost broke our marriage. Yes. I can. I mean, I can't even imagine that, you know, to the full extent, but I think that that is something that I'm so glad that you are vulnerable and share because I think that as a couple, I mean, it puts a whole other strain and, you know, all of these things on your relationship when you're, and as the women too, we feel like, okay, like we're the ones, we have to carry the baby. We have to get pregnant. You know, it's like all sort of resting on our shoulders. So, um, thank you for sharing that. So you guys did all of that process, obviously then what we did it all. And we were very, and we never told a soul, like even we stopped going to our we, we, it's interesting. So we used to go home for the holidays. We'd, we'd rotate, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas between both of our families rotate yeah. every year. After about six years, we stopped and we just said, you know, we're working so much. And then we would just travel because we, we didn't want to go home to our family's houses and see all our nieces and nephews and have the Christmas morning that we had, like it envisioned yes. us having. Yeah. And so we started traveling a lot. We, like I told you, we both went and got master's degrees. We really immersed ourselves in work and travel um, but it is interesting because I you know coming and being so private because people, I don't know, in one way I was like, you know, I don't ask people when they have sex, why, why should I tell yes. them when having sex? Yes. Yeah. You, have, yeah. you have that view, but the first time I ever told anyone in our families that we were even trying was after 10 years of trying and we were out on a hike with, we were in the Grand Canyon with my mother-in-law and my sister, my husband's sister. 
and we were hiking. My Ben was ahead and I was really connecting with my sister-in-law who I actually didn't really know that well at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, do you guys want kids? And I said, you know what? We've actually been trying for 10 years and nothing's ever worked. Yeah. And she's looked at me and she's like, I'll be your surrogate. We're family. And I, I looked at her and I'm like, you sweet thing. That's so nice of you to say. Yeah. But like, I, yeah, like be real. I'm like, she had, I'm like, she's never gone through fertility, but she had two kids when her early twenties, you know? So I'm like, yeah. you I'm like, I, I didn't think twice about it. So I'm like, that's so nice of you to even like say that. And we had not even considered surrogacy. It's like, we were just kept going round after round after round of IVF. Yeah. And so um, we, you know, kind of went the rest of the day, went home. I didn't tell Ben about it. And a week later she called me and she said, okay, talk to my kids, talk to my husband, talk to my employer, done a ton of research. And we are so excited to want to be your surrogate. Um, And so I called Ben and I said, Jenna just (laughs) called and volunteered to be our surrogate. And he said, absolutely not. He's like, how can we, how can you repay someone the gift of life? He's like, and because I think we had never considered surrogacy, Mm -hmm. um, that was one thing. Um, but I, like, I said, you know, she's done research. She's really excited about this. And I said, let's talk to our doctor about it. Um, and we flew her to LA. She got tested. She had the perfect uterus. The doctor said she had great, you know, whatever, great deliveries. They'd look at the hospital reports and we did the implantation and she called me two weeks later sobbing. Um, and it didn't take, and, and she and her husband were both crying on the phone and for me, it was like, it's so weird going through this process because like, sure. I was always so like, so concerned about her being physically sick mm-hmm. and like getting morning sickness, but I had not considered the emotional toll that it, all of a sudden our issue was becoming other people's issues and yeah. it was really impacting him. Then her husband's this macho guy that I've never seen really any emotion from him until, you know, hearing him cry. And so we did more tests. She did a second round didn't work again. Um, but after the third round, um, she was, she got pregnant and she gave birth to our son, Hugh, um, who is now four, but even, but we didn't tell anybody, even my family that we were expecting until she was in her second trimester, just because we were so cautious. Yeah. 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 And then even calling my family, I said, just so you know, you know, Hey, we're we're expecting, (laughs) by the way, by the way, Hey, we're having a baby. Um, I'm my sister-in-law is carrying our genetic child. And then it was, I mean, and I'm close with my sisters. I'm close with my mom. You know, I, I talk to them, you know, a few times a week and my sister who's right below me, she's like, Sarah, how come you never asked me? How come you already told me or ever asked me? And I'm like, Michelle, I'm like, I can never ask anyone to be a surrogate. Yeah. Like it's, you know, impacts your family, your husband, you know, all, anyway, but having then, so we had our son, which was absolute miracle. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, my sister, Michelle, the one who I had told first, mm-hmm. she called and said, I would like to give your son a sibling. And I, oh. and so she volunteered to be our second surrogate. Oh and gave birth God. to Grace. That's so amazing. I mean, it may, could make me cry. You know, I mean, it is, it's just so powerful. I think that that's so incredible. So really quickly, I want to go back to when you were saying for 10 years, you didn't tell a soul. How did that feel for you? Like, what was that mental and emotional impact on you not being able to like share or express with anybody else? Was that something that you found solace in doing in, in therapy or were you just no, we, in? 
we definitely went to therapy throughout the years, not constantly, you know, because yeah. also therapy for how I felt about myself and my lack of self-esteem, um, but also the issues in my, that caused in a relationship. Yeah. And then, um, and, and I was, I, I know I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. I was always the one who would want to go out. I, I didn't want to go to parties anymore. I didn't want to go celebrate with my friends if their kids are going to be around. And it was, it's, it was so lonely. You know, it's interesting. So we didn't tell anybody for 10 years Mm -hmm. and then we, it took Jenna two years to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're gonna have to get pregnant. And then all of a sudden we're expecting, and I had not told anybody, I mean, my friends even that we were trying. And all of a sudden now I'm having to tell them, Hey, we're having a baby. I'm not showing um, you know, my sister-in-law is pregnant, carrying my baby, which yeah. like they had no clue I was even trying. And it was just, I, that taught me the biggest lesson of sharing that I were having a baby and my sister-in-law was carrying and, and being vulnerable to say mm-hmm. we weren't able to do this. Mm-hmm. And the, the amount of people that came to me and said, you know, my gosh, my sister struggled with infertility, or I've struggled with this other health issue that no one knows about and not knowing how to talk about it mm-hmm. um, was the biggest lesson to me that by, by being vulnerable and sharing. And then also, I mean, it was the first time I ever shared that I was like my sister-in-law voluntary be my surrogate, mm-hmm. you know? So not saying that by sharing with somebody you're, you're struggling that that will bring you your baby. But I've, I've met so many people who said by sharing, like um, my friend was able to adopt embryos because someone said, well, I, you know, like, so it's just interesting. Yeah. That I think people want to help. And uh-huh. I know there's this, I think the stigma of infertility is um, coming down a lot because it is so um, common. And I think it's, yeah. and, and so it was really after, and, and we did tons of research, you know, there's a lot of stuff in our environment. There's a lot of stuff in the personal care products we use, yeah. um, which is why we ended up creating our company. But it was something that, that was you know, you know, one thing during the process was probably nine years in of us struggling with infertility and I was getting older and stressing out every month and, and feeling like there's this rush, this rush, this rush. And at one point Ben came to me and he's like, Sarah, are we going to be parents to our genetic children that you give birth to, or are we going to be parents? Mm -hmm. Thought about it. And I said, we're going to be parents. He's like, cause by us deciding to be parents, all of a sudden that took such like the, the t- you know, there were so many other ways to become parents. And so I think that step of just saying, okay, we can breathe. We can take yeah. a break. We don't, there's all of a sudden the timeline's not there because my eggs aren't getting up. So that was something that really helps. And I think it even opened up the door for us to even consider surrogacy just because we wanted to be parents so badly. Yeah. And there are thankfully, there's more ways to become parents today than there ever have been before. Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredible. Incredible. So I, I know you just mentioned it, so I'll segue into it. So Hugh and Grace, right? That's, yes. where, that's why we're here. So when, um, so at what point, obviously Hugh and Grace is, you know, inspired by this sort of fertility journey, right? What you discover, correct yes. me if I'm wrong. So when do you sort of become, it comes on your radar, you become really aware of like personal care products or ingredients specifically that could be potentially disrupting our hormones or, or playing a part in infertility. So we learned about endocrine disrupting chemicals, so hormone disrupting chemicals yes. during our fertility struggle. And when we learned about it, we were looking at it through the lens of you know, hormones, testosterone, estrogen, let's get pregnant. Yes. yes. Um, you know, and I, and at the time I fully didn't fully realize that our body absorbs 60% of what we put on it. And you think about it, the pain patch, the 
you know, the nicotine patch you put it on your body, your skin, and you feel yeah. it results almost instantly. Even I was putting on hormone creams on my legs and yeah. even my blood levels tested the next day and my hormones had, spark, had spiked. And so we, Ben and I for years actually were conceptualizing a fertility wellness program to help educate, to help have support. And it was after having our kids and being able to breathe and say, and then actually look at the research more objectively and saying, wow, these chemicals, they're linked very strongly to infertility, but they're also linked to cancers and um, autoimmune diseases and yes. Parkinson's and strokes and obesity and issues that impact almost everyone. Mm-hmm. And we said, this is such a large conversation that people do not know about. People know about toxins, yes. but I never knew about hormone disrupting chemicals. And these hormone disrupting chemicals actually can cause more harm than toxins. Yeah. And these chemicals um, are found on lots of personal care products and they can be found even in clean and non-toxic products. Mm-hmm. And so it was after having our kids and I just kept saying, I'm like, Ben, I'm like, we need to create a solution. I'm like, yeah. we, we fought for 14 years to have our kids. We have them. Um, we had great professional careers. We um, both you know, are educated. We had great networks. I used to work for a University of Southern California. So it's in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I would work with our top alumni and parents in 25 states. My husband had a very successful career with lots of networks. We had great networks. And we said, we know people we when we were conceptualizing this fertility wellness pro- program we had world-renowned um, doctors on our yeah. medical advisory board and it's like we we need to truly create a solution to this and so saying you know like we started with skincare but if you look at our website right now just we're a skincare company but this year we'll be moving into um, supplements and home care and I can kind of explain that um, that route but realizing that one of the fastest ways to help reduce chemical exposure is through your skincare yes. what you put on your body gets in your body and stays on your body. Mm-hmm. And so we went to work and interviewed top formulators across the country. This is pre COVID. So we're able to fly across the country yes. and interview people. Yes. Um, it was interesting because we'd go into form, um, different formulators and they'd say, well, we've never heard anything like this because we also only, we only use amber glass packaging and yeah. we use paper. And so, cause you can have a really clean product and then put it in plastic and those chemicals can leach. Yes. And so, and then also saying we don't want to overwhelm people. This is. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I really freaking love so much because I'm 35. I'm a California girl. I grew up there, but it's like, I didn't wear any sunscreen all my teenage <laughs> years, none in my twenties. I thought the bronzer the better, you know? And yeah. I'm just like, I grew up with like, here's a seven step regimen that you need to have to do your skincare and blah, blah, blah. And I love the simplicity of Hue and Grace. And um, because we do, it's like, like live more simply, like get rid of all of that excess. It's just more stuff you're putting onto your body, which is then being absorbed in. So I love yeah, that. What a, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. One of the studies that we learned is during our research is the average woman puts on 12 products a day, which is roughly 168 chemicals. The average man puts on over 80 chemicals a day. And you think about it in that five sip routine, they all have chemicals. How are those chemicals interacting in your body? Mm-hmm. And, and then we said, we want to create really high performing products. And so that actually really work that are nat- natural, that have a lot of our product pillars are to help detox, repair, protect. So they actually have health benefits, but are also luxurious and anti-aging. And, yes. and, uh, I, and... and I can testify <laughs> to that because I am 
obsessed. Like I literally love them. I've always had problematic skin. Like I started breaking out when I was in sixth grade. I remember my mom taking me to the Clinique counter and like buying me like the powder because I was embarrassed, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, just like scarring from that. And my skin has always been crazy. And I use these and I sent Danielle a picture and I, within seven days was a drastic change. And even my husband the other day was like, your skin looks really good. And I'm like, I know, right? Like, Because <laughs> he's always like, you're always buying stuff, you know, but I'm like, it really does. And I, I truly will use these products forever because I think that they work so incredibly well and it is luxurious. But when you think about buying a five-step routine that's almost $300 or you could get one step in a bottle for you know half the price of that yes or less or and why do you men and women have to have different products why yes. do children have to have different products why you know these are safe during pregnancies safe for children and babies and so we said why first of all it's mostly marketing yeah. and then as uh having two young kids and being a ceo it's uh, who has a time for it and the you're raised in California. We live in Los Angeles where um, bathrooms are smaller here than they are in other parts of the country. Yeah. I love the, the beauty and the simplicity of only having a few products on my countertop where before it was a ton. And then we travel a ton. Like being able to have a small bag with the whole family skincare is just yeah. for me such, such a luxury. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So then you have Hugh and Grace, you have this business idea. Did you know, because you had mentioned like it was like a fertility awareness. Oh, yeah. Wellness, fertility, wellness, wellness, fertility that, wellness that we were conceptualizing. And then so how did it come to be what it is now? So when we learned about chemical exposure and realizing that these chemicals are linked to much more than just infertility, we really took a step back and we said, this is a huge issue. Um, what? And then one of the fastest ways to help reduce your chemical exposure is through skincare. And so we said, let's develop amazing products that work. And we call our products hormone safe. And we said, you know, if we're creating a solution to an issue, it's more than just putting product on a shelf. You know, we had great relationships with some major retailers that we could have just gotten shelf space. But we're like, this is not just create products. It's not a solution. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember when I was at business school, my favorite Harvard business case study was on a lady named Brownie Weiss. Mm-hmm. And Brownie Weiss was a woman in the 50s who invented the Tupperware party. Mm. And we did this whole business case study on her. And we, at the very end, we watched this black and white video of her at a conference, bringing women up on stage and recognizing them. And these ladies just cried. And I went home to Ben that night. I'm like, how impactful that woman, woman changed so many lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually flew to Orlando after I graduated more than 10 years ago and went to her museum. Um, Cause I was just thinking how, how incredible, how impactful she was. And so when we were saying, you know, what's our go-to-market strategy, how do we create awareness and and with yes. community, with knowledge, with products, and realizing that word of mouth marketing is best. I remember the story about Brownie Wise, and I said, you know, how do we take the uh, the beauty of you know word of mouth and and modernize it? How do we make it so it's elevated? How do we would rather reward people than Amazon or Sephora? Yeah. And so, how do we take this um, social selling model and bring it? Um, I think to what, what a lot of people where it's more of affiliate plus a lot of influencers yeah. are sharing products. And so we yeah. do that. We, when you people enroll as advocates, you get a link and you share your link. And if people purchase, we ship direct to consumer. So yes. there's no, no people have to buy large it's, sets and it's sell honestly it. such a smart business model. 
you know, because it's like, like you said, you don't have to hold inventory. It ships directly from Hewitt Grace, you know, and you're sharing products. We share products all the time. You share book recommendations. You share restaurant recommendations. You know, if your baby has a rash, you ask your friends, you know, like, what are you using? What have you used? And so it's, we're naturally shares. So I think it's such a smart business model as well. And you trust your, your friends, you trust, trust your, your friends. network. Yes, you trust that. So yeah, I don't look at Facebook ads, but I'm trying to decide which. Yeah, <laughs> which, which <laughs> yeah. No, you do. You ask your friends, and so we said, "How do we do this where it's authentic, where it's real?" And then the fact, and first of all, the performance had to be there because there's plenty of safe products that just don't perform, that don't smell good, that don't work well. Uh, we've been very fortunate to have um, people who love our products. We have pretty much almost a 0%, I think it's 0.04% return, return rate. But early, even pre-launch, uh, we were connected with Rachel Zoe, if you know who she is. She's Yeah, so I wanted um, to, to ask yeah. you that, how, how she came in as an investor or trying the product. Yeah, share that. And I do know who Rachel Zoe is. Yes, of course. <laughs> Every girl out there better know who Rachel Zoe is. Well, it's funny because we were doing all these focus groups this is years ago. Um, and my friends who live in Los Angeles, who yeah. um, love products, you know, getting their opinion because I value their opinion, but yeah. um, we, and they love the products. But so we were, this is almost two years ago, we were starting to fundraise and we actually had our fundraising all set in early March, 2020. And then COVID hit yeah. and that group fund stopped writing checks. And so my husband and I put more of our own money in it. And then that summer we were connected through a mutual friend to Roger. So Rachel's husband uh -huh. and said they are investing and they invest in early stage companies. And so met with Roger and Roger said, you know, I love your mission. I love your story. I love the business model. Um, and so he's like, but Rachel has to like the products because yeah. I was warning you, Rachel gets sent everything. And he's still, yeah, uh -huh. he's, she's like, I know, I know the regimen that she was using and it was, it was, I think almost $2,000, the regimen that she was oh using. So he's God. like, and this is during also during COVID. So people are being very, very skeptical of the products, of the investments they were doing. Yeah. And so we sent her our products and we had a Zoom with her about a month later. And she's like, I am obsessed. She oh said they, they tripled the investment amount than the original oh amount gosh. they were talking about. Um, after that, she started sending out our products to all of her friends. I get an email one day from Rachel introducing me to Tracy Anderson. You know who she is? Yes, I yes. With Tracy. And she's like, Tracy's like, I, she's like, you're so Cleansing bark changed my skin. Oh my um, gosh. She's how like, oh, cool. How cool. So and so, cool. and then they, Rachel's invested again with us. Um, they've been great partners. We've never paid her anything. And yeah. so, and she authentically, I remember someone called me one day and she said, they're like, wow, you're, um, Rachel Zoe said that your night serum is her absolute, you know, favorite beauty product and pop sugar. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I had no clue. <laughs> yes, yes. And I actually had a girlfriend reach out to me and she mm -hmm. goes, I, want to get some of the night serum from you from Hugh and Grace because it came in my Rachel Zoe box a while ago and I was obsessed with it and not, I haven't known where to get it. So she ordered it and I was like, well, there you go. There you go. Yeah. She featured us in her box. Um, and so with that, the performance is there. And so you can't, people love the story. People love the mission. The products are truly amazing. They're simple. And then we've really tried to keep it simple and fun. And the community, honestly, for me, coming as outsiders into this industry, I think has given us fresh eyes. So we're actually able, my husband has run multiple businesses before. Um, he's, he sits on a direct consumer um, board. And so being able to look and saying, okay, let's look at this as outsiders and let's 
and operators like we're we're in our forties. We're yeah. we're not we're not that young. We have young kids, if, um, but we said, how do we do this where people who've never even considered entering this industry would want to join? And we're having doctors, executives, attorneys um, enroll with you and Grace, which has been absolutely fantastic. But also people who like, look with COVID, a lot of people don't want to go back to work. They don't want to have the same um, grind. They don't have to. And so yeah. this is a great way to feel connected to a community that's uplifting. And that's also one thing that we said we never do. So we, we never, we don't have a never list. We don't have a no list. Yeah. And we want to focus on who we are and not who we're not. Oh, and I so, love that. I love that. Yeah. So we, it's, you know, I was raised in a very religious upbringing where I didn't drink and I didn't smoke and I didn't go to parties and I didn't, you know, have, you know, do do the stuff that I was always known for the person who I wasn't versus like I did ton of community service. I was in leadership. I, I had all these great qualities, but I was always known for who I wasn't. And so creating this business, I'm like, of course, we're not going to put these harmful chemicals that impact our lives so severely in them. We're going to be really thoughtful. Um, but let's talk about the, the benefits and the, the actually great things that we are as a company, as a community. Yeah. I love that. So let's just briefly, before we wrap up, would you just touch like a brief rundown on each of the products. There's five products right mm-hmm. now. Um, so the cleansing bar. Cleansing bar. It's it's a moisturizing bar. You can use it on your face, your body. I have it in every bathroom, every sink, in the kitchen. Yes. Um, it's there's shea butter. There's, um, there's, there's adaption complex. So it helps balance the microbiome. And we thought what things we want to sell products that people use daily. Because, you know, and I joke, I'm like, I do Botox four times a year. I know it's not good for me. It's the things you use every single day that actually really impact your chemical exposure and chemical body them. And so everyone mostly washes first thing in the morning. Yes. (laughs) So to have something that really preps your skin helps you detoxify your skin. We have our body. Oh, I can. Yeah, yeah. Go on, girl. Go. Yeah. (laughs) Give us the window. All right. Then we have our body oil and I had never really used a body oil before, before I used a few, but one that I actually liked. And so we went back and forth many times. And my test is like, it needs to be a dry body oil. So it doesn't get your greasy, greasy. Also, I'm like, I have to put the body oil on and my jeans right away without it sticking. And so that this is, this is pre pre COVID where I was still wearing jeans, not (laughs) yoga. (laughs) (laughs) But the body oil has so many uses. I use it as my, I make it remover. I use it, uh, like used it on my baby's diaper rashes. It's yeah. as a and hair it oil. It smells so good. It smells really so good. good. It's so good. I use it on my two-year-old. He has little, he gets little bumps sometimes on like his thighs and on the back of his elbows. So I've been using the body oil on there on him when he gets out of the bath and stuff. And it's been, it's been wonderful. And I use it every day. I love it. Uh- I love it. Grace, our two-year-old, um, she loves the body oils every day, but she thinks whenever she has like any cut or bruise, she, uh, she's a body oil and she had a stomach ache the other day and she's like, mama, I need body oil in my stomach. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't cure everything, <laughs> but, but it's, um, so we have the body oil, which is very versatile and it's absolutely fantastic. We have our two serums. So we have our day serum. I refer to it as morning serum and night serum. You can use so the day serum. It's morning. Uh, it has tons of vitamin C. It's anti-aging. It's smell. It's um, it's light enough where if you want to have that five-step regimen, put this on first. And it's light enough where you can have that ritual of doing all the products if you want to. It's yeah. also 
uh, powerful enough where a lot of people are saying, hey, I used to use a face serum and a moisturizer and an eye cream and a vitamin C serum, and they're only using our one product. So yeah. it's it's fantastic that way, but it's it's lighter. has um, It's amazing. You can use that morning, noon, night. Um, Rachel Zoe actually keeps it on her desk and she'll put it on. She's like, oh, I could do it. Look, so people, you can also apply it over makeup if you want. Our yeah. night serum is designed just for night. Your cells have different, they have different purposes. So they actually, your cells help, help regenerate overnight, usually between mm-hmm. 2 and 3 a.m. <laughs> what time you go to bed. But it is thicker. It has blue tansy. There's a lot of vitamin A and E, which isn't great if you're going to be out in the sun. So that's why I just, I differentiate them. Yeah. But yeah. it is, a, like, it's Ben's favorite product. And we keep yeah. it on the bed stand. And I, when he says, it's like, when he's nice to me, I, <laughs> it was kind of like our night routine. Because sometimes if I, if I don't, I'm too tired to wash my face, I will have it and we'll put it on in bed and just kind of wet, like breathe it in and yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. I know. I usually I, do I, wash my face, but there are those nights where you're just like, I, just, I, oh, I, yeah. I cannot go to sleep without the night, the, uh, the night serum. I know. I, I love them. I, they smell amazing. They work amazing. And I actually stopped washing my face in the morning. I just put some water on there to keep my natural oil barrier. And then mm-hmm. I put on the day serum and then I put on my makeup and I'm good to go. Like I don't mess around with like a toner and a moisturizer and all the things. And it's been incredible. Like I truly, truly love the products. They're so, so good. And I love that they're safe. You can use them during pregnancy or if your kid got into them and put them on their skin, that's it, it, not going to be an issue. Yes. Grace has drank a whole bottle of a night serum because it was on her bed stand one night. So oh my gosh. <laughs> it's hundred percent natural. It's safe, but Yes, yeah. her breath smelled amazing for that morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my but you gosh. mentioned, and then we have our lip mask, which I it took us over two years to actually perfect that because we wanted it to, if you think about it, your body absorbs 60% what you put on it. You inhale, you ingest a lot what you put in your lips. And yeah. my mom was a nurse, is a nurse. And she, I was always putting petroleum jelly on it growing up. Oh like, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Like you think about it, like, what was a thought process yeah. in create, putting that on our lips? Yeah. Um, so that's an amazing product, but you did mention you, before you had acne, I had, especially during my fertility rounds, I had the worst cystic acne. I had melasma. So I had the pregnancy mask without ever getting pregnant. Yeah. And I was the one who had the full face regimen and the thick, like the concealer, the foundation, the powder. Yeah. I was the one who has a full face of makeup. I only wear eye makeup now. Oh like my, my skin has yeah, never skin been so good. Look, and I was never that person. So the fact that I only use our two serums and our cleansing bar is like, it's, it's, I don't know, for me, it's fantastic. Again, being simple. (laughs) Yeah. I have one last question for you. What advice would you give to any female entrepreneurs wanting to start a business? Like, is there anything that you learned along the way or or just any advice that you might have for people who are like, I really am passionate about something. I want to go for it, but they're scared. Yeah, I would say find great mentors. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those people are not your close friends. Um, (laughs) they can be your cheerleaders, but really someone who has been there and who can correct you if you're going the wrong direction and can guide you. Um, and some of the best mentors actually don't give advice. They'll say, you'll share an issue with them and they'll say, no, 
I experienced something like that in my career when I shared a shared experience that where you can learn from it. So I would say surround yourself with people who believe in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no, it's, it's gotta be hard. Every, anything worthwhile is hard. I mean, we just came back from, um, so human grace, we, we have the most amazing advocate community, but we just came back from our first incentive trip in Cabo. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing to meet the people who were there because they are entrepreneurs in their own way. And a lot of them said, you know, I, I didn't believe I could ever achieve a trip. I didn't believe I could ever do this. Yeah. And, but hearing that they, they had it. also, I'd say, write down your goal, put it up, see it every day and yes. say that it's also having the desire and the, I don't know, it's something when you manifest it and say, this yes, is what we're going like to do. The law of attraction. It's like yep. what you see every day, your subconscious takes in and goes to work for you. How can I make this come to fruition? Yeah. And so what can we look forward to in the future of Human Grace? If you can tell us, if you can't, that's okay too. Oh, there's so many things to look forward to. No, I, I touched on it briefly. We are a wellness brand right now. We yeah. just look like skincare, but we will be launching supplements and home care this Ooh. year. And the reason because of that, our whole mission is to reduce chemical exposure outside in, inside yeah. out. There are things your body can, can do internally to help detoxify your body, to help reduce inflammation, to help with hormone health. We also, you think about chemical exposure, spend a lot of time in your house and a lot of the most toxic chemicals are underneath your kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. And so we are working on an amazing concentrate that is multi-purpose and glass packaging and um, beautiful. Um, But so we'll have various products. We are, uh, my husband, my we were, I think, in 47 cities last year. We will be, we bought an RV. We are I going mean, across the country that. this summer. <laughs> so we'll be posting where we're going and it, we'll be doing fun events and just really getting the word out about Hugh and Grace. So we yeah. are out to support. So lots of fun things to look forward to. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been such an amazing conversation from fertility to starting a business to chemical exposure. I just think that this is so helpful and such an important conversation. Thank you, Sarah, so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you.